the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful um, week. And of course, uh, today is a special day. Uh, We are celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Christmas uh, Eve, of course. So um, Merry Christmas to all of you. And I pray that this uh, uh, year was a blessed year and that uh, many years to come also will be a rich blessing to you and your life. But most importantly, let's always remember the greatest gift we've received from our Lord and Savior. That's the gift of salvation. And the birth of Christ is a reminder for that. We've been going through a series And we will continue uh, through that series for a while. And the series has to do with comparing and contrasting the Islamic view versus the biblical view in the person of Christ. Who is he? What is his name? What is his mission? What has he done and accomplished? And uh, uh, does the Quranic account, meaning the Islamic account found in the Quran and in the Hadith, the teaching of the Prophet and the teaching of the God of Islam, do they match the biblical view? And do they match what the Bible teaches about the person of Christ. For instance, let's go, once again, I read this passage last week, but let's go back again to the announcement by the angel of the Lord to the shepherds. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds and uh, told the shepherds, basically, a great news about the birth of our Savior. And it says that the angels, that's in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, the problem is, when we go to the Islamic accounts of who Jesus is, and specifically when we think future things about the second coming of Christ, Uh, We find a very disturbing accounts, actually, about the person of Christ. For instance, Jesus, who is called Isa in Islam, is actually the destroyer of Christianity, not the broader or the one who ushered in the good news for those who followed him and called Christians. In fact, um, uh, uh, Isa is called the prophet, and the prophet Isa will have an important role in the end times because he will establish actually an Islamic kingdom 
and will be making war until he destroys all other religions, and he will also kill the Antichrist, known as the Dajjal, uh, and uh, according to Islam. And in one of the traditions of uh, Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, we read that no further prophets will come to earth until Isa himself returns as a man of medium height or reddish complexion, wearing two light garments, looking as if drops were falling down from his head, although it will not be wet. And he will fight for the cause of Islam. He will break the cross, kill pigs, and abolish the poll tax. Why is the poll tax important? Because the poll tax is paid usually by Christians and Jews to the Muslims. So he's going to abolish it. In other words, in other way, uh, there is no more chances. You either convert or kill. That's what it's saying here. Allah will destroy all religions except Islam, and he, meaning Isa, will destroy the evil one, meaning the Antichrist, and will live on the earth for 40 years, and then he will die. This is found in one of the Hadith collection known as Sunan Abu Dawood in uh, Book 37, Hadith number 4310, 4310. And also another hadith collection known as Sahih Muslim as a variant of this tradition. And it says that the son of Mary will soon descend among you as a just judge. You see, he will be coming back as a judge. No one is disputing this. The problem is he's not coming back to judge those who did not accept him. He will judge those actually who are called Christians. That's what's confusing about it. And he will abolish the poll tax and the wealth will pour forth to such an extent that no one will accept charitable gifts. This is found in Sahih Muslim in uh, number uh, 287. So what do these sayings mean? It means that the cross is a symbol of Christianity that Jesus didn't approve of. By breaking the crosses mean that Christianity is abolished and completely uh, done away with. Pigs are also associated with Christians. Killing them is another way of speaking of the destruction of Christianity. And under Islamic law, as I mentioned earlier, the poll tax, known as jizya, usually buys the protection of the lives and the property of the so-called people of the book who are living under the Sharia law and under the government, Islamic government, Christians and Jews, but by abolishing this law, uh, this tax, a uh, poll tax, that means no more chances now to be protected. You have two choices convert or kill, be killed. And chapter 9, for instance, verse 29 of the Quran mentioned that. So by abolishing this poll tax means that jihad is restarted against Christians and Jews living under Islam. In other words, Islam is not a religion of peace. So I'm not so sure really how we always make this claim that it's a religion of peace when it says that in the future there'll be no peace for those who are living under it. And as we know today, there is no peace for those who are living under it anyway. There is no peace between Muslims. Why would there be peace between Muslims and non-Muslims? Islam itself teaches these kind of things. And those who are living under Islam have two choices. Convert to Islam or else be killed or be enslaved. 
And uh, the fact that there'll be ab- abundance of wealth, according to this tradition, it means it's spoils of war, killing people and taking their money and property and possessions. That's what it means. They'll fall in the hands of Muslims and Muslim conquerors. Therefore, they will have abundant of wealth. And of course, no one will accept charitable gifts. No one who's living, uh, who's a Muslim living under Islam will accept any charitable, uh, uh, basically, gift because the Islamic State will be rich. This is basically who is the Muslim Jesus, known as Isa, will do when he comes back in his second coming in the last days. This is the Islamic eschatology. Now, Muslim jurists usually confirm uh, these interpretations. Uh, For for example, um, uh, one of those uh, traditions uh, known as the reliance of the traveler uh, by, um, you know, uh, the ruling of Ahmad ibn Naqib al-Misri, who died in uh, 1368, is what it says. The time and the place for the poll tax is before the final descent of Jesus, upon whom be peace. After his final coming, meaning the coming of Jesus, nothing but Islam will be accepted from them. For taking the poll tax is only effective until Jesus' descent upon, basically, once he descends, that's it. No more chances for taking those poll taxes. And this is found in the Reliance of the Traveler, translated by Nuh, uh, killer, in page number 603. You'll find this. And uh, uh, this uh, basically interpreter, uh, uh, this uh, ruler, uh, Ibn Naqib, uh, goes on to state that when Jesus returns, he will rule as a follower of Muhammad. Okay? Now, uh, let us unpack some of the things that we've been exposed to in the last two weeks and uh, related to who Jesus is in Islam. Uh, First of all, uh, Jesus is a historical figure. Isa is not. We do not have any historical evidence that someone by the name Isa ever existed. Just because Islam and the Quran calls him Isa doesn't mean a thing. All it means is that there is a different person than the true Jesus himself. The Quran's Isa is not a historical figure. His identity and a role and role, basically, as a prophet of Islam is based solely on supposed revelations by the prophet of Islam. And these revelations came, basically, uh, 600 years after the time of the true Jesus, who is a historical figure, who lived and died and rose again from the dead. Okay. Now, the other problem we have Jesus is the real name. Isa is not. As we read earlier, that in, uh, for instance, uh, in Matthew, and I will take you right now to that account, if you go with me to Matthew uh, chapter 1, in there, once the genealogy of Jesus was given to us, starting by saying the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then we get... All of these different generations, in verse 17, it says, So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to uh, uh, the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to um, 
uh, from uh, the deportation to Babylon to the Christ 14 generations. Notice, uh, Matthew's giving you historical names and giving you historical references to events, the deportation, the exile to Babylon. I mean, he's talking about things that happened, took place, not just stuff that people never heard of, okay? And then you get to the a birth of Jesus Christ and the announcement. And now, in verse 18, it says, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child, with child, I should say, from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Notice what's going on here. Matthew is telling you these things are historical in nature and fulfillment of prophecies that are already written in historical document in the Bible, basically, and people can go and verify them. Why was he called Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sin. So Isa doesn't mean a thing. Jesus means something. Jesus' mother tongue, for instance, was Aramaic. And in his own lifetime, he was called Yeshua in Aramaic or Yeshua. Okay? And Esau in the Greek. Uh, this is basically like calling the same person John when speaking in English and Jean when speaking in French and Yohanan when speaking Hebrew. French... Uh, Jesu, pronounced Yesu, basically, is the Greek form of Aramaic Yeshua. Yeshua, W, uh, basically Y, E, S as in Sam, H, U, A as in Apple. Uh, the final, basically, S in Jesus' name is a Greek grammatical ending, basically. So Yeshua is itself a form of the Hebrew Yahushua, Yahushua, which means the Lord is salvation. Yeshua is how it's pronounced, but it's really two forms. Yah from Yahweh and Yeshua basically is salvation. Is normally basically given in English as Joshua also. So Joshua and Jesus have the same variant of the same name. It is interesting, by the way, that Jesus' name, Yeshua, contains within it the proper name, Hebrew name, for God. The first syllable, Yah, being short for Yahweh. Okay? And, in other words, the name of God is in Jesus' name. That's what's important here. So, Yahshua of Nazareth, 
was never called Isa. The name the Quran gives to him, Jesus the Na of Nazarene, Isa of Nazarene. That's what he's called in the Quran. Now, we understand why he's called the Nazarene because it's reference to his birthplace. We get it, but that's not the way he was called, meaning Isa. Okay, so Arab-speaking Christians refer to Jesus as Yeshua, basically from Yeshua. They don't call him Isa. They spoke Arabic. They believed in Christ, yet they never called him Isa. That's puzzling. Why would they call him Yeshua? I mean, they existed before the rise of Islam, yet they never called him Isa. Jesus also did not receive a book. The Quran claims that he received a book called the Injil, which is the gospel. And it's basically as a form of the Greek uh, euangelion uh, or evangelion, meaning to evangelize or the good news or the gospel. So uh, it's coming from the word evangelizing, basically. That's why it's called the good news. When we go and evangelize, that's what we do. We share the good news. So the gospel actually is good news about Jesus, not a book he himself brought. So what was it then? This was just how Jesus referred to his message. It's the message of Christ. The expression, basically, good news, did not refer to a fixed revelation uh, of a text or a book. Uh, it, basically, it's a reference and a title of the news. I should say a description of the news that Jesus came to teach. The Gospels of the Bible are biographies of who Jesus was. So the term Evangelion later came to be used as a title for the four biographies of Jesus. So you can say the biography of the good news of Jesus according to Matthew. The biography of the good news of Jesus according to Mark. That's what it means. That's why we call them short Gospels. This was basically a secondary development of meaning. It wasn't that way at the time of Christ. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will bring to you remembrance the things that I have taught you. Later, the gospel accounts were written. So, um, you know, basically, uh, it's obvious that uh, the prophet of Islam got it wrong when he assumed that Injil is a book that Jesus himself brought. It is a biography about who Jesus is. Just like to say the Hadith is a biography about Muhammad's own doings and what he said. Now, um, most of the so-called prophets listed in the Quran actually never received books. The Quran claims that Ishmael is a prophet. We don't have any book uh, uh, that was uh, by Ishmael. The Quran claims that all the 12, basically, sons of Jacob were prophets. We don't have any books for any of them. We don't even have a book for Jacob. We don't have a book for Joseph that the Quran also dedicated a whole chapter for. We don't have a book for many of these prophets. In fact, the Quran even makes a mistake by claiming that the Psalms, called the Zabur, is the book of David. That's not the case. Actually, David wrote some of the Psalms, not all the Psalms. Other Psalms were written by others, like Moses has a Psalm, Solomon has a Psalm, and others also have Psalms. Uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, so, so the Quran actually is making some mistakes by making such claims. And, um, uh, you know, when it comes to some of those names of the prophets, uh, we do not have any books or evidence that they ever received any books. There have been many discoveries of many manuscripts 
uh, that date even before the time of Christ. Uh, uh, the Jews have a lot of evidence to support the Torah and other things like that. But none of the prophets that came before or after Moses, at least mentioned in the Quran, I should say, uh, have any book that we're aware of. The only uh, books of prophets that we have are collections that are found in the Bible for both the major and minor prophets. Many prophets also were mentioned in the Bible. Those who have a book, we know about. Those who don't have a book, we know about. Now, the biblical prophecy also and Islamic prophecy are not the same. The Quran makes the claim that the prophecy is something that is reported in the Quran based on something that already was mentioned in the past. Yet prophecy is not just reporting something. Prophecy is pronouncing future things. It's a big difference between uh, having passages from heavenly, eternally pre-existent text versus talking about things that are going to happen, hidden things that will happen in the future, used uh, from God's mouth through the agent that God is sending. When the Samaritan woman, for instance, called Jesus a prophet in John 4, 19, it was because he has spoken things that are hidden, that are unknown to others. How would he know then about her life and the things that are going on in there unless he is a prophet? But he didn't give her a book, by the way. He just prophesied. He was basically the living word of God. And that's exactly the title that the Quran gave to our Lord Jesus Christ. By no means... All prophecies referred to in the Quran, by the way, in the Bible, are uh, basically part of the biblical text. For instance, uh, uh, the Bible has a variety of material that uh, written from many different, for many different purposes by many different writers. Uh, include letters, for instance, include uh, psalms and hymns and poetry and uh, historical uh, uh, narratives and many other genres that are mentioned in there. So not every single book in there can be called a prophecy book. You have a book of the law, for instance, Proverbs and wisdom and many other things. So the Quran also got it wrong when it talks about things like this, claiming that the books are prophecy books. And the Quran has a lot of historical mistakes as compared to uh, the Bible. When we compare the Bible to the Quran, the Quran completely wrong about many of the historical events mentioned in the Bible. Example of that, for instance, the crucifixion of Christ. The Quran emphatically denies that Jesus was crucified when, in fact, we have tons of evidence from within and outside the Bible to prove that this is a historical event that took place by the testimony of even non-Christians who witnessed it and reported it as well. The Quran also makes the claim that the mother of Jesus is the sister of Moses and Aaron, when in fact the span of time between the two is about 1,300 years. That's another mistake that the Quran makes. Uh, the Quran also claims that Haman is the minister, uh, uh, basically, who, uh, who lived at least uh, in Persia. And we read about him in the book of Esther. The Quran uh, places him actually uh, thousands of years earlier that he was the minister of Pharaoh in Egypt, actually. We find this, of course, in the Quran, if you would to Google the name Haman in there. Also, the claim that Christians believe in three gods, father, son, and mother, is completely 
wrong and different than what the Bible teaches in relationship to the doctrine of Trinity. As you can see, this, this topic is so deep, and uh, we are going to continue this series. I don't know how long it will take, but it's going to take a long time. We're going to flesh out all of the issues related to who Jesus is in the Quran compared to the Bible, and we'll take objections one by one. We'll probably even invite some other guest speakers to be with us. And periodically, as usual, we may disrupt the series by doing other things on the side just to slow the rhythm a little bit and change or shift topics. Thank you so much again, as always, for listening to us and following us on Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi. Always uh, a pleasure to hear from you. You can always uh, listen to these uh, shows and archive shows either live or go back, uh, go to our website at sirainternational.com. Sierra, C-I-R-A, international.com. And you can go there and watch some of our videos and also watch the uh, listen to the archive shows under Let Us Reason. Um, Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, enjoy this uh, season. And uh, let's not forget the reason for the season, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself. Until we meet again next week, God bless you and have a wonderful time off. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.